Hi, I'm Chris Kepler, and welcome to Does This Happen to You? I'm an actor, voice actor, audiobook narrator, and writer. I love reading, pondering, and sharing humorous stories about the freakish things that happen in everyday life. That's why this podcast features funny stories from fantastic writers about our daily aberrations, a micro-audiobook about life and befuddlement just for you. Here's a podcast you should give a listen to, Full Circle. I'll let the hosts, Charles and Martha, fill you in. We have to talk about our show. Okay. Who are we? What do we do? Ha! I am Martha Madrigal. And I'm Charles Tyson Jr. We are the hosts of Full Circle, the the podcast. podcast. You are a beautiful white trans woman. I will take that. (laughs) Of a certain age. And you are a gorgeous black cis pan man who has shared my life for 10 years and we're engaged i put a ring on it yeah you did put a ring on it's a pretty ring too (laughs) now we have a podcast yeah there's not much we don't talk about here it's true we talk about lgbtq issues headlines of the day we talk about fun things too like movies and music and television and pop culture Mm mm-hmm And we talk about what it is to be black in America and what it is to be trans in America and how those things intersect and collide. And And child, it gets interesting. And you can check us out every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Because once again, we're Charles Tyson Jr. and Martha Madrigal. And this is Full Circle, the The podcast. podcast. Are we done now? I think so. Okay. Our story this week is from Adeline Dimond, who you'll find on Medium.com. And here is, Fish and I, where are we now? We've accepted that we're stuck with each other. In January, I wrote a confessional that I had adopted the wrong dog. Fish, not his real name, landed at my house 11 days after my beloved apricot shepherd died because I couldn't responsibly manage my grief. I saw a video of him trying to curl up in a plastic bucket at the Lancaster Animal Shelter and suddenly found myself driving past broken-down RVs and random desert billboards on my way to get him, sobbing every five minutes. When we got home, it soon became clear to both Fish and me that we might not be a match. He is all muscle and energy, and I am gooey. He believes the world is filled with danger at every turn, and, well, on that we are starting to agree. But we are still very different. Eight months after the confessional, nothing has changed, and everything has changed. Fish still hates men. All of them. I tell men who meet him that the key to fish is to simply ignore him. Do not look him in the eye. Do not try to throw a ball. Do not say shit like, hey, buddy. If men follow these directions, then maybe, just maybe, fish might open a fragile dialogue. But men cannot follow these instructions. Not a single one. The other day, fish and I were at an outdoor cafe 
with his new agility instructor, and a man approached us to tell us how good-looking Fish is, which is, of course, true, but he made the mistake of looking Fish in the eye, so unsurprisingly to no one who knows how predators think, Fish made it clear that this guy should back off, pronto, immediately, post-haste. And to Fish's credit, that's all he did. He simply communicated in very clear terms, a scary low growl, to stay the fuck away from me and his new agility coach. Then the man realized his mistake, apologized, and walked away. Ha ha ha, just kidding. No, of course he didn't. Hello, 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 hello. That's not how men roll when a dog doesn't like them. Men cannot handle that shit because apparently dogs are all supposed to be like the ones in dog food commercials, I guess. I'm not going to pretend to know why the man just kept talking, even while Fish's growl kept getting scarier. I'm also not going to pretend to know why every man who has encountered Fish has behaved the same way. Don't get me started on the last guy who came to my house, promised to follow my directions on how to approach Fish, but ultimately cracked and just couldn't do it. I realized his mistake when I heard extreme scuffling in the hallway, after which I discovered this man sheepishly holding one of Fish's favorite toys, Squeaky Unicorn. What happened? I asked, bewildered, because we had just gone over the Fish protocols. I don't know, he said, looking down. I wanted to play. Back at the cafe, I was still slow on the uptake despite the mountain of evidence that this dude was not going to leave simply because Fish was growling at him, eyeing his jugular. Men want to play, after all, and who are the rest of us to get in the way of that? We were all at a standoff until I finally asked, You want me to let go of the leash so you two can say hi? This worked. The man left but not without first reinforcing Fish's opinion that all men are dangerous idiots. And while reasonable minds can disagree on this hypothesis, it has nailed the coffin shut on my dating life. I was already giving up on it anyway, so I can't really blame Fish. But now even if I wanted to have a guy over for fun and other indoor sports, this would be a hard no from Fish and so my dating life has finally died for good. Fish ushered in the final blow. Am I mad about it? A little. I'd love to have sex again someday, and I'm not sure how I'm going to accomplish that. But the consolation prize is that Fish sleeps on the other side of the bed like an actual human, stretching out, often sleeping in later than I do. He doesn't care about my snoring, made worse by sleep apnea. And lately, when I've been in the throes of extreme anxiety, being able to reach over and hold his paw or feel his silky ears has stopped me from hyperventilating. That said, a golden retriever he is not. Two nights ago, I had horrible food poisoning that kept me curled up in the bathroom floor the entire night. About two hours into my ordeal, I realized that Fish had not come to check on me, not even a sniff to see why I was crying and moaning and sweating. This pissed me off. 
Aren't dogs supposed to worry about you? When I finally stumbled out of the bathroom, I found Fish curled up on the den sofa, unbothered. I gave him the requisite Jewish mother lecture that I could have died, and he didn't even bother to say goodbye, and also mentioned that my previous two dogs would have at least checked on me. He listened, and then went back to sleep, likely because, if we're being honest, I'm not his first choice in humans either. If it were up to fish, his person would be a marathoner who took him out for five-mile runs each morning, and then again after work. Of course, these runs would have to occur in some sort of twilight zone in which no other people were around, because Fish has a very small group of authorized humans, which currently includes only five people, including me. But I imagine this doesn't stop Fish from fantasizing about a cooler, more athletic human. Because I am not a marathoner, although to be fair, I did a half marathon once, but Fish doesn't know this, Fish often doesn't get enough exercise. When this happens, he parkours around the house, slamming armchairs into windows, knocking over antique French lamps. I, on the other hand, feel that exercise is a nice 30-minute swim, a yoga class, or a slow hike. When I take fish on these slow hikes, his frustration is evident, like a kid in school who thinks he got stuck with the uncool mom. Why can't you be like the other moms running by us? I imagine him complaining, rolling his eyes. This hits hard. So to exhaust fish, I signed him up for doggy daycare and pack hikes. But about three months ago, he got kicked out of doggy daycare for fighting. This was deeply unfair. And as his lawyer, I can unequivocally tell you that fish was framed. It was fake news, a politically motivated expulsion. Fish simply thought he was defending his favorite staff member, and his only real crime is that he won the fight. Unfortunately, the doggy daycare justice system is rigged, and no amount of advocacy could change their minds. After Fish's excommunication, he still went on pack hikes, until a terrible, unspeakable thing happened on one of those pack hikes to another dog, and we decided to play it safe. This is when major guilt started to set in. I knew I should take fish on really long walks myself, which is something I happily did with my last dog, Millie, but there's no other way to say it. Walking fish sucks. He pulls, he lunges, he zigzags, he practically dislocated my left shoulder last week. Yes, I have taken him to obedience class. Yes, I know the tricks to make a dog heal. Yes, I understand that I need to be the pack leader, and Fish feels more comfortable when someone else is in charge. But Fish simply becomes overwhelmed by the big world outside, and his little brain goes boom, boom, boom so giving him any command on a walk rarely works. Right now, it's a Saturday morning, and I should be taking fish out on a big, epic walk. But instead, I'm sitting here writing about how much it sucks to walk fish. In turn, fish is annoyed that I'm sitting at the computer and is spending his time staring out the living room window, trying to slam his body through it 
whenever someone has the temerity to walk down the street. And this basically sums up our relationship. I'm delaying what I should do for Fish, and Fish is stewing that he could have had a much cooler mom. To make it up to him that he got kicked out of daycare, and that he got a soft, gooey mom, when he really deserved a sinewy, energetic mom, I signed Fish up for agility class. And of course, he is a natural, at least athletically. Mentally, he needs a little assistance. When he wouldn't go through a plastic tunnel, I crawled through it ahead of him about 50 times, and although the other humans in the class snickered, this worked. Fish now races through a tunnel with the point of a finger, while other dogs still look up at their humans, seemingly to ask, Are you sure, really? Who's the cool mom now? So it's complicated. You know those couples who seem so different physically, or age-wise, or humor-wise, or looks-wise, or intelligence-wise? And you know how you spend a significant amount of time trying to figure out how they ended up together? And how they stay together? That's us. That's Fish and me. We aren't each other's first choice, but we committed to each other and are therefore now qualified to teach a master class in relationships. If Fish and I can work it out, anyone can. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this story, let me know and share it with your friends. Follow me at Chris Narrates on Twitter or Chris K. Kepler on Facebook or check out my website, chriskepler.com. <laughs>